0: Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited, where we will cover one of the many reported cases of reincarnation, so we can bring the discussion out into the light about what happens to our souls after death. But before we go too much further, I'd like to thank Alexios Arctos for his amazing sound engineering and editing work, and Raphael Crox for allowing us to use his music from the freepd.com public domain music site. Today we continue our chat with Benjamin about his memories relating to Eugen Kunstmann. We learn more about who Eugen was as a man and ponder how much of Eugen remains in Benjamin's current life. So let's rejoin Benjamin now to hear his thoughts about his memories and also to find out what happened when he contacted Eugen's family.
1: It's funny how people always mention, oh, you're so different than him. But actually, it's going to sound weird. I don't think we're that different. I think deep inside, Ergen and I probably aren't so different. I think it really comes down to what is you deep inside things. Like the the person I am today is very much defined by the things that have happened to me in my life and how I was raised and the things I've been exposed to when I was young. I would be a fool to completely dismiss that. Which brings the question also is, um, do you know what you could have become had you been born across the street and have a completely different childhood, Mm. you know? Because um, I don't think... To come back to the point of Eugen, I don't think Eugen was a, a person that fundamentally was destined to become an officer in the army or join the Nazi Party or anything. Probably, if there was no war, he would have happily become—I don't know—an engineer, probably management position. I don't know something. I think uh, the fire he had inside of him was very much acquired, and which is why I always have some um, compassion for the. Doesn't excuse what they do, but I think it kind of explains why some people they are completely led astray. Uh, I have some friends in my personal life who have done some questionable things. And because I know them intimately, I know that deep inside, they probably didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to rob or I'm going to scam or I'm going to commit violence. Or in the case of a very close friend of mine, I'm going to join the army and, and go to war in Africa and come back with PTSD because he had to kill people. Sadly, this still happens today. But if you look at their path in life, you realize that um, there was some some moments where something broke inside. Then you're chasing it.
0: I think that's what I was sort of wondering. When you think of Eugen, is Eugen like as someone that you think of as being another person? Or do you feel that he, that he, it's like looking at a memory from way, way, way long ago?
1: It's a very complicated question. You see, there is a dichotomy between how I like to talk about Eugen in the third person. He did that sometimes when i get caught in the moment i'm going to say i did it i did that because this is how i experience the memories we could talk about this question for hours but i think deep inside i feel like there is a, a part of organ that is still very much within me how I view him, Eugen, as a person, was born in 1909 and died in 1943. And as far as I'm concerned, he never came back. That's just the complexity of reincarnation questions because, I mean, we've talked a lot together about this story, how it affected me. It's a very much a me story, as in this is something that shines in my life every day. But Eugen, as a person, died a long time ago. For reasons that I can't explain, his story has found a way to come back within me. And I have found the framework of reincarnation the best way to explain what happened to me. If I was to speculate on how it came to be, I I would assume that part of him pretty much came back within me. And actually, I had a very interesting dream once, very early into my reincarnation, I would say research, where I had this very, very strange dream that really puzzled me for a while, where I was kind of wandering in this dream, uh, wandering, sorry, W-A-N-D-E-R-E-N-J. I was wandering, and all of a sudden, I found myself witnessing some kind of a concert. So you have a whole orchestra assembled. And it felt like the orchestra was losing touch with the piece they were supposed to play. And it started to sound very, very different, very chaotic, discordant, chaotic. And then the music stopped and parts of the musicians left the stage. And a few of them stayed and decided that almost like they they didn't talk to each other. But the way I felt it is they were like, let's try to play the piece again the way it was supposed to be played. And the music started again. And the music they were playing was the same. But the the way it sounded was completely different. And I've I've come back to this dream quite a lot to try to explain maybe was that some kind of a sign to show me how the, the thing happened. Is it possible that just Eugen stripped of what made Eugen, which is the war stories and his broken destiny. Let's say the flame behind it came back in me today maybe that would be a nice way of explaining it as in organ never came back and I I don't feel comfortable saying I am organ for instance it doesn't make any sense to me but there is a continuity I don't know if I'm making sense because as you as you can hear it's a very very complex question to answer but there's definitely a part of organ in me but Which part is it? How much of it is me? How much of me is not him? This is something that still today puzzles me very deeply. Uh, To be fair, I don't really dive into those questions too much because this, I don't think this is something that can really answer.
0: It's a bit going down the rabbit hole, isn't it? But I think in some cases, when you look at someone like Eugen, who, as you say, his destiny almost in a sense, not that we both don't believe in destiny, but his life path was completely diverted by the war, as does happen. Sometimes outside external forces take you in a direction you never expected to go. And I think that as you say, Eugen who'd been allowed to be just Eugen would have been a very different person and that would have been probably someone who would be closer to you because you aren't a violent person but you do have that level of strength. It's funny with the people that we know, I can often see hints or reflections or echoes perhaps of the person they were back then, not in the things that they're doing but in in their personality and in their persona. And in their strength and in their leadership and in their things like that. I think we carry that through the various lives that we have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think we all have the recipe for this in our lives. When met with the right circumstances and the right political push, it takes a very, very special kind of man to go through what those men have been through and be able to come out and say, I still choose peace. I still choose understanding. I still choose forgiveness. Mm-hmm. a very very special kind of man i'm not sure i'm i would be able to not join the fights was i me today faced in the same circumstances for instance
0: I think when you talk about the war, it becomes so overlaid with so many other issues. It's not just you personally. It's about protecting your peace, protecting your family, protecting your life, your way of life, Mm. the country Mm. that you love. You know, there's a lot of things that can lead you to make decisions to go to war. And that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that you're particularly looking forward to it. And I think that's the problem that a lot of the soldiers came away with, because especially because a lot of them were so young men, I don't think that they realized quite badly how the damage was going to affect them.
1: You. You're completely right. And actually, there is an anecdote I would like to share. I was having a very deep conversation with an Australian friend uh, a few weeks ago. And for some reason, he made me remember some things that I uh, hadn't thought about for a very long time, which is... I'm going to talk specifically about officers because I I do remember that the discourse you would hold to a foot soldier versus an officer who's going to be leading people is is quite different. I think there is a misconception about how officers would be, let's say, pushed to do those awful, awful things when we talk specifically about Nazi Germany. My friend, and he made a valid point, expected that when you were being indoctrinated, you would be told that you're going to do great things, amazing things. When actually the opposite was true, what he made me remember. It was quite the opposite. We were told pretty early on that we were going to do awful things, and we were going to do awful things that we would not be able to talk about. So there was already this understanding when you, for instance, when you're crossing the border your you're stepping into Russia, you know that there won't be any glory there. As far as you're concerned, the grand story, the grand narrative that you're only a small part of is something that reveals itself later on. Sometimes it takes you to actually step out of the zone and realize what you've just taken a part of to realize that, oh, this was a great victory or this was a great endeavor you took a part in. When you're actually down there, it feels awful. But you are armed with the, the belief that you are doing awful things that go against what you consider normal because most people when they are doing awful things they feel awful the great work is to convincing you that this is normal and what you're taking a part of is is part of a great scheme like a a bigger scheme and the great sacrifice is actually to go against your deeper emotions and be steadfast in your resolve that you will carry on those tasks even though you know and you feel and you realize that they are wrong
0: In a way, you feel they kind of almost, when you're in, say, the forces or whatever, they're almost sort of teaching you to disassociate from your emotional connection to what you've got to do.
1: Yes, it's uh, very early on this was was taught. I mean, I assume that the SS at the time went through the training school for the officers in 1935, 1936. That would have been a time where you already had in the ranks people who had been in the concentration camps uh, network, you would have people who had taken part in vicious street fights So they were already accustomed to violence. They would have already experienced it. So you already weed out the people who are physically unable to do that because it happens. Some people are ideologues, but when they are actually facing with actual blood, they collapse. Actually, Himmler is a, I think, is it Himmler or Goebbels? I have a, my mind is, I'm I'm not sure. But one of them actually visited a concentration camp once and was mute for several days. He couldn't physically cope with what he had just seen, even though he was instrumental in organizing it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the training made you go through with it. Actually, I'm making a a parallel, but I have a a friend of my uh, younger brother who was a, a sniper in the French Army. And during the training, they show you slow motion videos of somebody getting shot to see how physically you would react to this. The training really makes you go through the idea that yes, you will go through awful things. They will make you feel terrible. They will make you question a lot of things. The idea is you need to put these aside, let's say, forget this part of you and and carry on resolutely in your duty because this is part of a greater, let's say, something that is bigger than you as a person. Organ was a tough man. I mean, don't get me wrong to think that he was a little flower and he was just following his thing. He was tough in battle. He was tough with his men. And I'm not trying to whitewash what he did at all. If anything, I'm trying to give perspective on what it, how men can be led to a situation like that. I don't think he was a monster, but he was definitely a tough man, and saying otherwise would not be an accurate representation of the truth. Because I speak in a soft voice, and because I don't use rough words to describe uh, his actions, doesn't mean that me personally, the way I look back at how Eugen was, he did exactly as he was expected to be. He was rough in battle, tough, aggressive, as you should be when you're in a position like that. I wouldn't have wanted to be a prisoner captured by him
0: no I wouldn't have wanted to be a prisoner captured by anyone in the SS and Mm -hmm. that's the thing I mean like as men go in the SS I mean people look on them as being monsters but I think it's like anyone in a situation like that especially when you've been trained this is for the good of the country and this is what you have to do to do the right thing it all becomes very muddled and it becomes very hard to actually the reasons why you're doing things become muddled and it's only when you step back it's like now for us as people when you step back you can often gain clarity and think I shouldn't have done some of the things I did but you know at the time you're going with what you've got aren't you really
1: that's a very valid point you're making yes
0: and actually I was wanting to talk to you about when you actually contacted the family so you found a cousin well you sort of found each other a cousin commented on a site that you were on that they wanted to know more (laughs) about him is that right
1: yeah, it's actually an even closer relation. His grandson wrote a message. So Eugen being still a relatively high-ranking officer, there are some uh, forums, I think it was called Axis Forums, if I remember correctly. There was a few threads dedicated to asking questions about his life and some people had information to share. And I was very curious to read what they had to say. It was interesting because I remember there was one document which was a translation made by the American services of his service records, which framed to be telegraphed just like very very tiny document. And further down this thread of answers, there was a message saying, "Hello, I am uh, the grandson of Eugen Kunzmann. If anybody has information basically about my grandfather, I would be very happy to hear it." And he included his email address. And the way it went was, the posting itself was several years old. If I remember correctly, maybe seven or eight years old, even older, maybe. And included his email address. Now I had a direct connection through this email address, and almost immediate decision that I'm going to message this person and uh, I will send him a short but faithful account of what I've experienced. And (laughs) actually, wrote very if I said I'm not claiming to be the reincarnation of Eugen Kunzmann because I was shaking but I, I sent this message saying well this is what happened to me this is who I am I actually insisted quite a lot on saying I'm also the, the descendant of survivors of the second world war through my grandfather and my great uncle and uh, anyway so I said so this is what basically I could verify and uh, at the same time this is what I don't know and and also I strangely enough I sent a picture of me and the picture of Eugen I found where there was I thought at the time there was some physical similarities even though today i'm I'm less convinced but i sent all of this i was pretty sure that i was not going to hear about it for a few weeks because it was an old email address and actually surprisingly i also i think i went on facebook and i searched for the name he provided and i found two or three profiles and i sent a message to each of those profiles saying i just sent you a message on i think axis forums and he replied to me instantly I'm interesting. Yeah, just, I actually just got your email and I'm with my father. So the son of Eugen Kunzmann at the moment, I will come back to you a bit later and i think a few hours later he sent me a longer message saying this is actually very a surprising message to say the least he explained that he had received a few answers regarding his his query saying some people have come up with information but yours was the most interesting etc and we started conversing and this is when i felt a bit more comfortable to share more details saying for instance well i i also remember for instance something i couldn't verify saying like for some reason after i died there was a man named georg who was there who was told and at the time i was very confused about this information because for instance i knew that the name who took command after oregon just after he died was a commander of a battalion that became the commander of the regiment taking my place was called georg Bachmann. so same first name georg i was like maybe that's him he said well actually oregon had a younger brother was named Georg and who actually survived the war and uh, he came back and he, this man Georg actually told two versions of the death of Eugen the first one is the one you described which as far as I as I know wasn't told anywhere which means like there was very little information beyond Eugen was killed on the 8th of July there was no information available online or publicly about how Eugen died which is the story I told and he also said Eugen committed suicide by shooting himself but that's something he told later in his life Georg told that later in life and so, so they said we never really Knew which one was true. It's very funny because when I read that, I I had this fixed idea in my head no, you have to tell them that Eugen didn't commit suicide. He died the way you described it, which is like shot when he was in his tank. Which is something, by the way, we managed to verify later when we found the diary of an officer who was attached to Eugen's command detachment. Uh, his name was Gorg Kinsler, and he wrote a day-to-day account of the, uh, of the thing, and he actually wrote pretty extensively about how exactly he went because he was a first-hand witness of the, the death of Eugen. So we know that that's how Eugen died. There is no question about it. But uh, anyway, uh, we shared a lot of information. I shared my resources, and on their side, they were extremely nice to share a lot of resources, uh, like personal information, a lot of family documents, family albums, family pictures, Being extremely open right from the start. And I think as far as they were concerned, they were happy to have somebody who took an interest in Eugen and was eager to uncover more truth about his life. Because uh, as far as I know, the wife of Eugen never remarried. But at the same time, I don't think that she shared too much information regarding the life of Eugen to the different family members.
0: Do you remember much of Eugen's life with, say, his wife and the other...
1: Uh, Zero. I was aware that I had children, at least two. It appears that Eugen was present, I mean, at least was able to see his first son. It appears that he died while his wife was pregnant with his second son. But I, I don't happen to have any memories of Eugen's wife or family life extremely limited. If I have fam- uh, memories of family life, it would be before the war. It's, it's something I've been willing to do for a long time. I'm going to postpone it to when I go back to Europe, which is to visit the original city where Ergen was raised, because I remember quite clearly the layout of my family home when I was young which could also be the house where Ogun's father was living because I have a very clear memory of coming in uniform to see my father and that was the first time he saw me in uniform. That's a very clear memory I have. And I remember the layout of the house. So I I could draw it. I actually drew it already and I'm pretty sure if I saw the street, I would be able to say, oh, I'm in the right street or I'm in the wrong street. I also remember things like there must have been some kind of marketplace in the city. There was a, a strange porch Quite a simple porch with a clock on top of it. And I'm pretty sure if this building is still standing, I would be able to recognize it because I have a a very clear image about what it looks like. It's interesting to note, actually, that I also remembered that the city where I used to live started with a K. Don't ask me how I know that. I just had this fixed idea that I lived in a city whose first uh, letter was a K. Turns out Oregon lived most of his adult life in a city called Kiel. She's in in north of Germany, which would probably also explain why I also felt extremely comfortable being in the, the north of Germany. I felt very much at home in Hamburg or in Lübeck, which is not so far away from Kiel. And uh, Eugen Kunzmann's current family members, most of them still live in Kiel. So I have a good reason to, to visit them because I would very much like to pay a visit again. I've met Tim once. We met in Paris. I was extremely saddened that Eugen's son, who's the father of the family member I'm very much in touch with. I couldn't make it due to health reasons. He sadly has passed away since. So it's a very huge regret for me that I was never able to go and visit him in Germany. But uh, me and Tim have met uh, once, We spent the entire day together in Paris, and we still converse quite uh, frequently together for a few reasons, because uh, we actually hired together uh, an investigator to dive into the records. So we share findings together.
0: So when you say that you're quite sad that you didn't get to see Tim, is that coming from you or is it coming from Eugen or both of you?
1: I'm unable to make the distinction. Me personally, me, Benjamin, feel very sad that I never got to meet him. I don't have many regrets in life, but this one is a big one. I was abroad at the time. I was in Asia and I didn't have much uh, freedom to, to travel as much as I wanted to. And uh, You know, you always think that you have time. Yes. You always do it later and then you don't. Then you can't. And uh, the ink is dry. I can't rewrite the story, but it's something I wish I did.
0: Yeah, I was just wondering if maybe that was why you came back with the memories of Eugen. Do you think there's anything that actually prompted you to have the memory?
1: I don't know about the why. All I can say is I think it came at the right moment. Because I'm going to speculate, because this is not something I've talked about openly with uh, Kunstmann family. But I do believe that I think that Eugen's son probably had a feeling that he was nearing the end of his life. And I think even if he didn't express it, he probably had a lot of questions about his father. You know, we talked a lot about the SS. I think it's it's very easy to see the former SS members whether they died in combat or not as this was the prime focus of their life, but I remember pretty much I mean I remember a lot of things about Eugen not being a soldier, not being like it's when you take off the uniform and you go back home, it's not written on your forehead, you know. And I think this aspect of Eugen's life probably had been forgotten, and this is perspective that could give and it's interesting when I was, I was chatting with Tim and we were talking about what kind of man Eugen was, that most of the things I had to say were related to what Eugen was as a person.
0: That makes sense, though, really, when you think about it, because it's really Eugen as a person that is you. It's not Eugen as a soldier. Yeah,
1: I have, I have less and less appeal to... There was a period when I was very much invested in pretty much drawing a day-by-day timeline of the career of Eugen, and these days I really couldn't be bothered. I mean, I never had any kind of fascination for SS in the first place. Uh, I had some interest in the battles Eugen took part in because some of them were, were epic. It's going to sound shocking to say, but I, I still remember some very distant projects in taking part in some very massive operations.
0: I think that's Uh, understandable. I mean, if you think about how we, as on this side of the war, talk about the past conflicts, we're often quite proud of the way our men yeah. behaved in them but it's still they were yeah. still being violent and they were still killing people
1: yeah i mean I'm, I'm not trying to understand if it was right or wrong it's just it's just how i feel deep inside i have this very distant feeling of uh, it's, it's a battle that's probably going to mean nothing to you but for instance the battle for Shako, how we call it kharkov which is actually there's a lot of fighting going on right now between ukraine and russia but this is a i think it was the third battle of kharkov just before the battle of course there was an epic movement done by a, a german commander called von manstein we did an amazing maneuver, and I, I remember actually I remember this battle much better than I do remember Kosk, which is very famous. I had a lot of pleasure reading uh, yeah, pleasure. You see, I had a lot of pleasure reading about this battle and how it went and the movements that were made and the tactical masterpiece that was achieved on the ground. But aside from that, I don't have much interest in the thing. I, I've seen a lot of uh, communities that house a lot of former like claimants. People who claim they've been germans in their past life and they still have nostalgia and everything this is really not something i experience like i don't have any i don't have any memorabilia or anything i have history books which are stored in my cupboards like far away i don't see them if i want to look at them i can open them and take a look at the books i have but aside from that i'm really not uh, nostalgic or have any kind of uh, misplaced longing for a glorious past i mean when you're on the ground it's not very glorious it's a uh, lots of waiting a lot of drilling a lot of efforts occasional fighting if there was one main emotion to gain from that it's yeah boredom and uh, anguish
0: i think actually km made a comment that she said that you said once that organ looked at it as he died and was on the battlefield and seeing people and basically said why was i doing this
1: yep Actually, it's much deeper than that. It's, it was not so much why was I doing this, because the idea of self was, especially in the first few days, was non-existent. It's why is this happening? Because the feeling is almost like, I don't know, imagine you're, you've you spent years and years and years being at the head of a team of people that you've seen grow, and all of a sudden you have no hand in what's happening, but you're still very much invested in the maybe well-being is not the the right word but let's say their future as a as a group and also invest in the few individuals that you identified and uh this idea was it's 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 all a waste it's all a waste this didn't take very long to really have this sense of shock by the the violence that was being displayed uh, that was immediately apparent same thing with hate that disappeared instantly Although it's even while being alive, I had a lot of respect for the people who were fighting because uh, all the propaganda like, still shows that the people you have in front of you, they're really brave. Like They're really brave. They're fighting good, sometimes bad, but one thing they have is they, they don't give up. They have heart, don't. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, they fought and died, uh, probably the same way the Germans would fight and die, which is all of a sudden, you know, you, <laughs> the enemy is in front of you, and you don't really back up, you don't back away from, I guess, sense of duty, maybe. Uh, but regardless of the motives, the fact is the uh, actions speak louder, and uh, they more often than, than not, they, they showed immense bravery on the field which came to the realization that we knew it was going to be a very uh, dirty fighting because you had to weed them out one by one they they wouldn't redeploy they, they if, if they were there in front of you if you wanted to occupy the position they would have to be uh washed away or whichever way you you come up with but they're gonna have to be uh, taken prisoner or or killed or routed which happened relatively rarely but
0: I think that does actually point to the thought about perspective once you step away from the war, mm-hmm. once it ends and you go home. Because if you think about what we went through, I mean, on the Allies side, there was a lot of hatred against Japan because of what they perceived the Japanese to be a cruel race. And, but mm-hmm. then once they stepped away from it and came back from war, I think the mood changed amongst a lot of the older soldiers and they started to embrace and respect the Japanese soldiers and people. Yeah. Yeah. For what they'd gone through too. And I think that's it. I think you do yeah. these things because you're trying to do the right thing by your country and your family, what have you.
1: Yeah, completely right. And I, even to this day, I, I don't really judge which side you were fighting on. Uh, mm. Because, I mean, ultimately, uh, unless you're talking about the big leaders that came up with those big strategies and plans and political concepts that you could use to justify what you were doing, the people on the ground, so it's a simple it's a simple thing. We're being attacked or we're being threatened. So we have to attack both justifications. They come with the same uh, conclusion, which is, I mean, you have to fight to defend uh, whatever you believe in, whether it's right or wrong. I think there is nobility in, uh, and don't get me wrong, like it's, I'm not justifying what was done, but I think there is nobility when people uh, fight for what they believe in, even if it's misplaced. Oh, I can, can't blame them.
0: I agree with you, though. I mean, I think when you look at the role of a soldier who is prepared to go in and actually die for what they believe in, I think there is nobility in that. I think there is whatever happens on the battlefield. I think that is really ultimately why people do are mm. prepared to fight.
1: I'm coming back to the comment I made uh, previously regarding how officers were conditioned, which is i don't know i have a very 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 distant image uh, i don't know why i associate that image with goebbels so maybe goebbels told it like said said it to us that the greatest sacrifice you can ask from an enlisted man is to lay down his life the greatest sacrifice you can ask from an officer is to all the things that go against what you deeply feel in a way like the burden puts on the shoulders of officers is going to be higher because it's not just about laying down your life it's also about sacrificing your very identity as a person
0: i actually admire there was a general called pompey elliott who was an australian general who fought in world war Two. i think it was actually his men adored him because he would cry after the battles because of the loss of his men he, i think he said to one man he said I have to do this to you, we, we need to take this ridge, you need to go in there. He gave him a gun and he said, "I no, don't expect to see you alive again. And the man basically went in and took the ridge, survived and basically came back and they would have done anything for him because he cared about them. It sounds like Eugen was because he had a sense of responsibility to his men
1: oh yes and that was probably his biggest one of his biggest concerns and it's, it's funny because i had this conversation with my dad and i found myself speaking things i had never conceptualized before but they came very naturally so i do believe that this comes from a deeper part of myself we were talking about the perspective eugen died while being part of the Totenkopf division the Totenkopf division was formed with mainly the core of the troops that formed the division were concentration camp staff who happened to be drafted or taken into the a fighting division But a lot of the officers of the Totenkopf division, especially in 1941, had a reputation for being very wasteful. Like they wasted a lot of the lives of their officers. And at the time in 1941, Eugen was not part of the Totenkopf division. He was part of the Reich division. And I remember having disdain for these officers that had no regards for the the lives of their men. And there was an episode where the Totenkopf division was nearly wiped out the episode well, the area was called the Demions pocket essentially you had a pocket of German troops which were trapped and Himmler being uh, ruthless as always actually started rebuilding the division with a new core which means officers from different divisions while the men were still trapped in Damiansk he already wrote it off and said whoever survives is going to be an amazing skeleton to bring to this division I'm reforming and later on the gun was ended up in this division but we had disdain I mean we didn't view them very favorably was those men who were political. Politically, very well-trained, very aggressive in combat, but lacked the tactical understanding that the Pyrrhic victories, they're not really victories. Like, if you take a position, then, then you don't even have the means to defend it. It's all a bit pointless. And an experienced soldier that dies cannot be replaced by snapping your fingers. It experience is invaluable. So it, it's, it also comes down to what you say, like, some officers in the SS had this understanding that fight as much as you can, yes, but survive first. Because uh, it's in a way, it's better to, unless you're ordered to fight to the last man, it's better to leave to fight another day.
0: That's the truth of it, isn't it? So with contacting the family, did you find that it gave you a sense of closure and peace to it?
1: Immensely. It's actually the probably the most emotional thing I've done in my life. I'm putting aside what you can experience in your own life, such as grief. But in terms of positive emotions, this was probably one of the, the most intense things I've ever experienced in my life. It's hard to explain. It felt like, if I was to describe it with a metaphor, it felt like you've had an open book on your desk that you were not able to put away, no matter how hard you tried. And as I explained to you, I always view my experience as in always trying to do just the next step so I can get it over with and move on and do something else. I never had an aspiration to even talking about it with you today. It's not something I envision at all. But uh, finally, when I was able to do this, I felt like the biggest part of the story was now finished and I was able to close this book and put it back in the library. Doesn't mean I was ready to forget. But it meant that I was finally able to say, this is now a closed chapter. The people who need to know, they know. For the rest, I mean, it's just commentary. Where he has been, the things he has done, etc. As far as I'm concerned, the emotional, the things that puzzled me about Eugen's story were solved mostly by remembering how it happened in the, like the intermission memories. Because I was able to recover part of the memories of the process of what it's like to, I wouldn't say clean yourself, but purge yourself of the heavy monkey you're carrying on your back that you have to keep. So yeah, it was like kind of the final chapter and I felt much lighter diving into it later on. Now I, I ask, sometimes I have questions, I ask myself, so I do some research. It doesn't happen much these days, but sometimes I have these questions or I want to chat about. It. It's much easier because the story is already finished story has been written, the ink is dry, back in the library.
0: Yeah, in a way you've kind of merged Eugen and yourself.
1: Yes, it's actually interesting because both observations are true. I have merged what I needed to merge and also have separated what needed to be separated. What is me is now fully me. What is not of me is far away. It, it's never going to take away the extremely close relationship I have with the character of Organ as a person. This is never going to go away. And um, it's funny because my fiance asked me the other day, how much do you think about it? And I said, every day I think about it. Every day there is something that reminds me of it. For some, and, and sometimes nothing reminds me of it. It just pops up, but it doesn't have the same emotional baggage. It's like you're seeing a distant friend from far mm. away and as far as i'm concerned i'm just living my life now you know you're, free, you're uh, free
0: to be you now you're free to be Benjamin. yes
1: yes and i have no desire to <laughs> associate in any way or because like some people have asked me are you ready to say i was all good it's, it's irrelevant mm. it doesn't matter it's not whether i say it or not it's not going to change what i experienced and how it affected me in a positive way it's, it's just commentary it's footnotes in a much deeper story that doesn't need to have these huge labels put on them Eugen is resting now and I'm Benjamin is fully alive as far as I'm concerned that's the way it's meant to be you know
0: well I mean that's the thing with reincarnation isn't it really we're not supposed to remember our past because we are supposed to then focus on this time down we're here for whatever reason but we're a different person we are them we are the people who've been in the background but we're also you're Benjamin you're not Eugen you know you're, you're who you are now
1: yeah I think it's forever going to be a source of uh, wonder how much of Eugen is, uh, has found his way in my life. But I think it comes back to something I told you in our previous uh, discussion, which is uh, I don't think there is any answer to give. Probably the right answer is to stop asking the question. It doesn't matter. I asked myself for a long time before we made this exchange, what am i trying to convey and i hope this message can help if there is even one person who's going through the same story as i have and is, is deeply puzzled by it because it saps the foundation of your identity i mean, just remember that deep inside uh, all that matters is the here the now and what's ahead like what happened in the past just make peace with it find out as much as you need to find out about it but ultimately if you go through the story like i have and really explore it deep you will come to the realization that it's uh, a story that has already been written nothing you can do about it you can't go back in time and change you can't change the perception people are going to have about this said person doesn't mean you can't shine a different light on the experience because human experiences by definition are complex
0: it's pretty much what you've done you've basically taken the experiences of Eugen and you've looked at them and you've reconciled yourself with who he was and you're now this very different person and peace loving very different person completely
1: just uh living my life the way i see fit (laughs) i don't bother myself too much with uh, the past now that's
0: beautiful ben i think that's actually the perfect place to end it on i think that's wonderful because i think that's the truth of it i think at the end of the day we are a conglomerate of all the lives we've had before but we are ultimately who we are now and that's Mm -hmm. really the bit that matters
1: I have some people I've talked to which I deeply believe that their story is real, as in they are not fabricating or they are not being blinded by false memories, which happens sometimes. And they are still stuck in this path. They're very much associated themselves with who they were before for right or for good or bad reasons. I have a very much a hands-off approach. I'm not trying to tell them the way it should be or how they should do it. But I pray that they let go of the burden because you're not going to change the past. You're not going to achieve what you were meant to achieve i really feel sad for the poor souls who who are stuck in this loop they're forgetting that they have a life right here right now and thing i told myself what if they happen to sadly pass away and they remember their next life in their next life they remember what are they going to remember or oh, i remember that i was obsessed with another life even before like how are they going to look at it it's a life not living i told my that as of my fiance as a joke i said like the day you have your life review like i hope it's a story you'll be able to enjoy watching again
0: Well, that's the truth of it, isn't it? And that's why I try and live my life to make a difference. I've hurt people in the past. We all have. I don't think you get to be past the age of, say, 20 without hurting people because that's just Mm. who we are as humans. But I think at the end of the day, if you can turn around and try and be someone who is a force for good, then that's the best you can do.
1: I have such a deep respect for the mechanisms I've seen at play on the other side. If anything, I'm, I'm worried about an untimely death. I would feel devastated to go before my time, if you see what I mean. If it comes, it comes, and I'm probably not going to cling super hard because I know that the story never really ends. Whatever wrongs I've done, I would accept being, like, facing them again. Because ultimately, I wouldn't say improves, but it definitely, it's like bounces you back maybe in the right direction. What I view as the right direction, which is ultimately being, as you say, the force of good.
0: I think if you try and be a good person, you try and live a good life, then that's the direction we're supposed to be going. And the Mm. reason why we have so many problems down here is we keep getting, as you mentioned and I've said before, caught up in the tags, the tags of who we are. And I think that's the problem. We need to let go of the tags. We need to stop thinking of ourselves as being these classifications of things and just be people.
1: the sad reality of the modern world. People love labels. They love to put themselves in little boxes.
0: I love talking to Benjamin. He thinks about things so deeply and he brings some really thought-provoking insight and positivity to his views about life. I think that's the most important thing to take away from all of these conversations about reincarnation. While reincarnation itself is fascinating, the most important lesson it teaches us is that life is a precious gift. And it's not something to be endured, instead it's something to be experienced and enjoyed. Thank you for listening to Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. We hope you enjoyed this case. If you have any interesting stories about reincarnation or if you can relate your own past life experiences, I would love to hear about them and I can be contacted through my email at reincarnationplr@gmail.com at or via my Facebook page called Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. If you'd like to support me, I'd be honoured if you'd become a Patreon supporter. You can find me on Patreon under reincarnationplr. I don't do extra content, but your support helps me keep on pumping out content faster and keeps me doing what I hope you love hearing. We'll be back again soon with another episode, but until then, remember you are unique and your life has a purpose.